Good evening and welcome to episode 117 of the HHH Racing Podcast. I'm your host, Howard Kravitz. Thanks for joining us tonight on what is going to be a spectacular show as we are covering first Saturday here on the HHH Racing Podcast. Last night we had Scott Hazleton on from TVG to talk about Sanita. And tonight we have the one and only Simon Bray from TVG to talk about Gulfstream Park and there are nine stake races. We're going to be talking about eight of them right here on this show extensively. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, tonight. Please make sure you subscribe right there on the bottom right-hand side of the screen. Crush that notification bell so that you know when new content will arise. Then you need to make sure that, like I said, you need to subscribe, but also hit that thumbs up button. Let YouTube know this is a great show, and it is going to be a great show tonight, I guarantee. You can see on my name tag, you can follow me on Twitter, at H. Kravitz. And then on the scroll at the bottom of the screen, there's a lot of information, including my email address, hkravitzhorse at gmail.com. We've got a lot of things to talk about very quickly. You can listen to the show on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Anchor. Please make sure you do that if you cannot uh, view the show. Also, I have three promotions, folks. If you look below the video player, uh, look at the description below the video player. Just click that Show More button, and you'll see three promotions. I'll just talk about them quickly on the screen right now. The Race Day blog. It's very expensive. It's fantastic. I give plays on there, ABC selections, price plays, and boy, this Saturday, are there price plays? <laughs> because these races are tremendous at Gulfstream, big full fields. Also, I have a new promo, BetUS, a fantastic betting platform if you're not familiar with it. If you sign up and you can look below the video player, $50, sign up with a credit card, uh, and you will receive, sorry, usually racing, the, the code RACING3H. You get a 125% of your money. I posited $200 a few weeks ago. I got $250 of free play using the Racing 3H uh, promo. So please make sure you check that out. And then of course, we have a podcast pool. The deadline for the podcast pool is Friday, 10 p.m. Eastern. And if you do not know what the podcast pool is, please email me, hkravitzhorse at gmail.com. I'll tell you all about it. But for those of you who do know about it, again, to uh, be a part of our podcast pool and pool our money together for pick fives, pick sixes, the deadline, again, is Friday, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And finally, as our guests may or may not know, next month I'm making my national TV debut with Todd. I'm assuming Simon will be there on set also. I hope he is. April 24th on Sunday, Todd has invited me on the TVG set. I'm very excited. Hopefully Simon will be uh, next to me as well at Keelan. Again, that's April 24th on Sunday on TVG. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I think that takes care of everything we need to. Please make sure on the top right-hand side of the screen, you you put any chats, any questions you have for our fantastic guests that we're about to bring on, uh, please make sure you do so because he has uh, you know a great background. I'm sure a lot of people have questions, uh, not only as a trainer, of course, former grade one winning trainer, but of course now a TV analyst on TVG. I am a big fan of this gentleman's. I've been watching him for a long time, and I'm happy now to have him on 
the HHH Racing Podcast from Gulfstream or the Gulfstream area. Let's bring on Simon Bray. Simon, how are you doing tonight? Howard, great. What an introduction. Great to be here, finally. Yeah, we uh, we finally got to meet about a month ago at Pegasus in passing, and uh, you tended out the invitation for me to come on this show, and I've been looking forward to it. So so here I am from uh, Aventure, about you know, three, four miles from Gulfstream Park. Conditions are perfect here, by the way. Got in yesterday, and I've just been hunkered down, getting through the races at the Gulfstream this afternoon and handicapping for the weekend. Yeah, we really appreciate you coming on tonight, Simon. You always worked work a full shift, and now you're coming on the podcast. So, again, all the viewers and myself, of course, really appreciate you. brought the warm weather. Of course, the minute you leave California, they get some rain, and it's going to be like in the high 50s this weekend. But beautiful Florida, no issues whatsoever. I was there for the Pegasus, actually, uh, and enjoyed myself there. I'd love to be down there this weekend because, boy, this card is unbelievable. But before we get to that, Simon, and for those of you who are watching, of course, live, uh, we're going to be talking, we're going to start the handicapping approximately 725, excuse me, 825, 830 Eastern Standard Time. By no means, don't don't change that dial. I mean, where are you going? Don't go anywhere. I just want to let everyone know that we are going to be talking about a lot of handicapping tonight, but we need to have take advantage of the fact that we have uh, a great guy, a former grade one winning trainer. I got so many questions to ask, Simon. Uh, the first question, you're going to see questions on the bottom of the screen, Simon, and also we have viewers, of course, watching. If you have any questions for Simon Bray, please put them in the live chat. Simon, I'll bring them up uh, one at a time, and you can answer those questions as well. You have a fascinating you know, story. Let's first talk about your background. Of course, you were uh, born not too far from London, and uh, your, your father was involved in horse racing. You had the opportunity right away look at these people that you had to be involved with first with the great henry cecil and then coming to the states to bill not talk a little bit about your horse racing background and where it all started yeah i was lucky i've always been a bit of believer start at the top and maybe work your way down that was my premise with with working for these two gentlemen on the screen right there but yeah my background i really got into it to horse racing through my father growing up in england um, you know, horse racing in England, very much a mainstream sport. You know, we've exposed it a lot on TVG, you know, Royal Ascot, all the, the glamorous meets. But, you know, it, it, it makes, you know, front page or back page sports news on a daily regular basis in England. So I grew up around it. My father was a, uh, an owner. He owned uh, anywhere between 20 to 40 horses in training at a certain point. And, and that's how I got into it. And, you know, I used to spend my school holidays working for his trainer. He didn't really want me to get into the business. So... He said, look, if this is what you want to do, you can go and work for, for Robert Armstrong, who was his trainer at the time. And uh, unbeknownst to me, he used to tell him, you know, just make it as hard as possible. So he doesn't like it, doesn't want to get in the business. And the more that was thrown at me, the more I, I loved it. And the day I graduated high school, uh, three days later, I went to work for Henry Cecil, basically. Um, I mean, it would be like a, a foreman or, or a, a, what they call in Europe, a pupil assistant, assistant that's learning the trade so that's what i did and then uh, i stayed there for about four or five years and christophe clement and i were both assistant trainers at the same time in newmarket he worked for luca kamani um and I, I was working for henry cecil and we became friends and he came to the united states to start training and about two years after he came i came and visited him on vacation one winter um in january i was leaving the you know the cloudy newmarket gloomy weather and, and arrived in South Florida. He was training at Payson Park at the time. And from that moment I landed, I, I knew I wanted to come back and, and work in the United States. And he was the one who got me a, a job, started hot walking for Bill Mott back in, uh, I think it was 1993. 
1993, January 1993. Yeah, you came to the States in 92. By the way, um, I am a relatively new first-time owner of horses. I co-own two horses for the Adelphi Racing Stable, and one of them, they're both two-year-old, Simon. One of them's going to be trained by uh, Chris, Christophe Clement, so we are a, a, a tappert cult, so we are really oh, excited. Right <laughs> we are uh, very excited. I co with my brother and many other uh, people. A, a pretty decent oh, piece I have, so uh, he's down at the Kinsman Farm right now uh, learning how to be a racehorse before they bring him up to New York, so um, Christophe Clement is fantastic, and actually his son has just got married today, I believe. Yes. Uh, Correct? As we speak, uh, yeah, up in so Jupiter, Florida. I think it was yeah. today. So uh, congratulations to the Kaman family. Um, yeah. We could talk, you know, for a long time about your exploits with, with uh, Mr. Cecil and Bill Mott. But after that, you go ahead and you moved on to be a trainer as, you know, on your own. Uh, great one winning victories as well. Talk a little bit about your the life of a trainer. It's got to be very difficult. We're about the same age, Simon, and I'm, by the way, live 20 minutes from Arlington Park. So uh, I did not see Cigar when he was at Arlington Park, but obviously um, I know you were an assistant at that point. You didn't. You, that was Bill yeah. Montsaurus. But you uh, talk a little about Cigar and talk about, you know, your grade winning victories, Star Attack, et cetera, and just being a trainer in general. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was working around Bill Martin, obviously um... – the, the, my my association with with Alan Paulson grew, and that's that's he was the one who hired me as a private trainer. I pretty much had uh, you know an advantageous leg up into the training business by training for someone privately. But um, what happened was, you know, I worked around, been around with Bill. So I, I went through the whole cigar, the two years with that it was just tremendous to be exposed to that. And you know, there, there was a lot, you know. Everybody thinks, I think from the outside looking in a horse like that, you think, oh, you run them, you train them, you just, you know, bring them over to the front side once a month and you go about your business. No, it's very, very hard. And I, I think, you know, what Bill did with that horse and the way he had to manage, the horse had a quarter crack in his foot for a lot of his career, which is, is not a, a huge uh, injury. It's a common, very commonplace in horse racing, but it, it's a it, it's very hard to manage sometimes. I mean, it's like a split fingernail. So. And he did a tremendous job. If only people behind the scenes could see what he did to, to get that horse and over to Dubai and, and come back. So I worked around Bill and Cigar. And then Alan Paulson, he lived out in Del Mar, California, in the Del Mar Country Club. And he wanted some horses to run at Del Mar every summer just because that was in his backyard. So one summer, Bill sent me with, with six horses, all turf horses. They were kind of handpicked for the races. They'd all won races. And maybe there was one maiden. And we had tremendous success. I think we won like nine, ten races with six horses in, in five weeks. So the following year, we upped it. We sent 12, and then we doubled the numbers. And after that, Mr. Paulson offered me a job and said, would you like to come out and, and, and train out here? I've got a taste of the horses been in my backyard. And of course, my big issue was my loyalty to Bill, and I was worried with that whole situation. Sure. But anyway, we got through that. And, you know, I started from scratch. I had to go back to the farm in Ocala, pick some yearlings out, and I was lucky enough to pick out, you know, a good bunch of horses. Started with 30, 40 horses and had Astra. She was a multiple grade one winner. Um, StarTech won the, the Secretariat, won the Turf Paradise Derby. Yeah. Um, you know, he ran well in the Kentucky Derby. I didn't really want to run him at that point. But uh, Mike Paulson, the son who was running the estate, wanted, you know, his father's legacy to see if we could pull off the Derby. He, he ran okay. You know, Knox is Derby, second fastest Kentucky Derby of all time. Uh, and then I had numerous other stakes winners and winners for them. So it, it was a good run. Um, it came to an end, unfortunately, when Alan Paulson passed away. You know, he, he had some cancer and passed away. So um, the stable was dissolved. Insurance costs got high in California. And that's when my broadcasting opportunity came around to work for TVG. 
see money uh Astrid and StarTac, you love them great great horses i just yep. i just love i love the the turn of foot of some of these turf horses you know not only currently but of course way back in the day and uh, i'm sure that we all made some money on those two horses if uh depending on how long people of course have been around to to, to see them uh the life of a trainer i i know we, we could spend an hour on this but yeah. some i don't think people understand and I've only been around it, you know, on the outside. But explain very briefly the hours of a, tr of a typical trainer and just, you know, how grueling it is. Because, of course, the highs are unbelievable, but the lows can be very low and the hours are just brutal. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a great point you bring up. I mean, nobody really understands um, what a trainer goes through. It's like an NFL coach, you know. You see him once a week on the sidelines, but the job is grueling. They're in there early in the morning till late at night. It's the same with the trainers, but you're dealing with living animals that can't talk back to you. At least yeah. the athletes can leave. The football can go home. They can tell you what's hurting, what's wrong. So it's very tough. Uh, you know, your answer, I was lucky that I was answering to one owner at the time when I was a private trainer, but, you know, you're spending a lot of time uh, on the administrative side as well. So you're not only a coach, you're a admin, business administrator. You're, you're basically, you know, the GM, player development, the coach, you know, on down, all wrapped up into one. So you have a lot going on. It's very stressful. I think the point that you bring up, the highs are great, but um, the, the the lowest lows, I mean, they just outweigh the highest highs, unfortunately. There's an imbalance there, I think. And I think you kind of, as you mature and understand the game, you, you can handle it a little better. I think, you know, looking back, I had a tremendous amount of success in a very short period of time. Looking back, did I take the time to enjoy it? Probably not any of it. Uh, even even my grade one win, I was you know back, I was a young trainer trying to get started, and all I was worried about was the next day. Yeah. So if I did it all over again, and I say this to to some of my colleagues at work, I would do things way differently as far as from a personal standpoint to try and enjoy it a little bit. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you got to enjoy every every moment uh, that there is yeah. out there, especially the positive ones. So after you do a great job training, uh, you move on to TVG. And again, we're going to be brief. We, I, we have, we're going to talk about this and then one more quick topic. And then our 10 minutes to post, we'll get right into our handicapping. Tell very briefly the folks how TVG came about. We, all, we you know, very much enjoy watching you on air. But obviously, everyone needs a little bit of a break or an in. Um, I believe you were they, they found you or you did a short segment for them and everything just exploded from there. Yeah, so what they did, I was trading StarTech at the time. He had won the Generous Stakes, which was part of the old Hollywood Turf Festival. He wrapped up his two-year-old campaign. And the features producer at the time came to me and said, where do you think you're running next? And I said, well, the Turf Paradise Derby. He said, well, can we follow you along? This hadn't been done before at that time. It was like an all-access segment. So I said, what does that encounter? He goes, well, we'll mark you up the minute you get there. We'll follow the horse. We'll put a camera in the horse and just follow you around for the whole weekend. So anyway, fast forward, it ended up being a big weekend. I had that horse in a turf paradise. I had, I think, one or two in at Santa Anita and one in at Golden Gate, all in the same afternoon. So from a TV perspective, it worked out very well for them because they were covering me, you know, saddling the turf paradise derby winner, then on the phone to my assistant at Santa Anita and then watching a horse win at uh, Golden Gate. So I was mic'd up. So uh, I did that. They created a feature piece and then about, Three months after that, they said, you know what? We're going to do this live. We're going to have you mic'd up while you're saddling a horse at Hollywood Park. And that was the kind of the foundation of the all-access segment that we used to do. And then, uh, you know, after that, uh, TVG approached me a couple of times. And I, I reluctantly said, no, no. And then finally, I, I just caved in. And uh, I've been there nearly 16 years now, I think. Yep. 
Well, and you've had some great moments. Now, I told you I got a few surprises here for you. Uh-oh. Uh <laughs> like, ask, ask Scott. I didn't I didn't tell Scott what was going to come up, but you'll have fun. Trust. This is okay. where the tr- this is where the trust factor comes in. Now, you've had a lot of really fun, exciting, uh, interesting moments on TVG. I want to bring up one <clears throat> that I thought was interesting, and I've been watching, like I said, TVG almost from the beginning. Like I said, we're I, I think you got me by a year. We're about the same age, so I've been watching okay. TVG for a long time. I'm going to bring up one here. Right now, and we're at, with sound, so give me a second here. By the way, I I, I, t- I told Scott, I told Todd, the people that you have behind the scenes at TVG are amazing. The producers, the cameramen. So I look forward to meeting those people. I'm my own guy. I do. I've got like three screens here. I'm clicking buttons. I'm I'm doing all sorts of stuff. So let's go ahead and bring up a certain moment here that you may not may may or may not remember. This is Simon Bray celebrating a victory. Odd air that he had after a Delmar race. The lead, Rockport Cat to win it in a driving finish. Rockport Cat won, got even second, then Brimstone and Jay Serino. Okay, uh, Simon, what was that all about? <laughs> okay, so there, there was a little inside baseball there. So there used to be a in the newsroom there at uh, TBG. Whenever we had a big winner, there was some of the guys would do a victory dance, and then somebody came into the newsroom once and he said, "Have you ever watched Australian Rules football?" I knew that's where it came from. I love Australian Rules football. Yeah. So I said, <laughs> "Yeah, you know, I've got a rugby group background, and you know, when they score a try or a point, they." That's what they do, right? In Australian rules football. So that's where that came from. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I just, I, I think it's great when, and I have some journalism background. I've always wanted to be sort of a sports broadcaster. I'm actually a full-time high school math teacher, Simon. This is my 25th year as a high school math teacher. And I've loved I did not know that. Yeah, I've loved almost every minute, but I was actually a journalism major. No one wants to hear my story. It's a long, winding road. Back uh, 25 years ago, if I had to do it again, I, I would love to be on TVG, but that didn't exist, of course, when when you know when I was in college, etc. Anyway, so this is sort of I'm, I'm living my my dream through this podcast, and of course next month, which I'm very excited about. Uh, I just love when people are themselves on air. There's just too many cookie cutter announcers. I'm not even talking about horse racing, just in general. I love yeah. when people just sort of are willing to embarrass themselves, step out, be themselves. That's what I really enjoy about watching you and Todd, other than the obvious excellent coverage and analysis. You guys just yourselves, you're willing to have some fun. That's what people want to see, right? Right. We, we try to look, we, we get some criticism and I understand that. And, and, you know, that comes with the territory. I mean, there's the old adage in TV, 50% of the people like you, 50% of the people hate you. But we just try to be ourselves. We're on for so many hours. I mean, look, it's not a hard job. I'm not complaining. But in relative comparison to, to other TV networks, whatever you do, we're on more than anybody, I think, on any channel. Yeah. You know, if, if you take five hours a day times four or five days a week, you know, that's just one person. So there's a lot. You know, we're on a lot. So we have to mix it up. And at the end, end of the day we take it very seriously there's a gambling aspect but you know the races are only two minutes long and you know it's horses running around in circle so we try to, to make it a little bit fun we try to make it entertainment a little bit of entertainment as well as education and uh you know the, the, some of the feedback we get you know it's it's very positive obviously you know not everything's a hit a lot of fails and stuff like that but uh 
as Todd and I, you know, always say, we, we try to be like two guys at the track. If you're just sitting there having a conversation and the camera just happens to be popped in. Sure. Well, I, I enjoy it. Most people enjoy it. Listen, uh, not everyone's going to We have our report, too. We have our banter going back. Oh, forth. well, we're, we're going to talk about that here in just a minute as well. Okay. Um, but on that sort of topic, I want to talk about one more serious topic before we begin. Um, a few years ago, you had a, a life-changing um, situ- health situation. Um, talk a little. I'll let you go and explain for people that are not aware. Because people see you now, and if people are not familiar with you, they're like, you know, what's wrong with Simon? He looks absolutely perfectly, 100% healthy, has, doesn't have any issues. I think your story needs to be told. And again, we could talk for half an hour, but just very quickly, give us the Cliff Notes version. Talk a little about City of Hope, the MMRF, and what you're dealing with on a daily basis. Yeah. So in 2015, you know, at the time I was uh, probably in the healthiest shape of my life, um, had a three-year-old son, had a, a, a daughter that was on the way. She was due in, in three weeks. My wife and I just bought a house that needed remodeling, and uh, I went to the gym one day. I was doing my usual workout, and my basically my back broke right there at the gym. Um, unbeknownst to me, I got in the car, drove home, didn't think too much about it at the time because I, I wasn't fully aware of what the con- you know the severity of it. Um, went and got checked out by a doctor. He said, "Don't worry, you just you know pulled a muscle. It's fine." Walked around for six weeks with you know, a partially fractured vertebrae and back. And then finally one night I rolled over in bed and, and the whole vertebrae collapsed and I was in excruciating pain. And fast forward to, to, to the diagnosis the next morning. And it was as a result of a, a, a rare but incurable cancer called multiple myeloma. So it's where my bone marrow makes irregular blood cells and it causes the bone to break down. And, you know, it was a blessing in disguise that the bone had broke because otherwise it probably would have been festering for four or five years. And I might've been staged a little further along, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was a challenge for, I was 45 at the time. It usually affects, you know, uh, males in their late seventies to eighties. So I, I, I didn't fit the, the profile. And of course, then you go back through, you know, what could have done it, exposure, food, this. And like I said, I was, I was a very, still am a very healthy individual. So I've been dealing with that for six years. I still get treatment on chemotherapy pills every single day uh, for the, you know, 21 days out of the month and get an infusion every couple of months. So it's something that I keep up. It's just a manageable, you know, disease, chronic disease, and hopefully they'll find a cure for it. So, but I've been blessed that City of Hope is a, just a, it's a specifically a cancer hospital and uh, it's about 40 minutes from me. Um, And it's just, I mean, I, I, Luckily for my particular disease, I found one of the best centers in the whole world, top two myeloma centers in the whole world. So that's been a blessing. And then I did some work with the Multiple Myeloma Research Foundation as far as raising money and doing some charity runs and stuff like that. And I still speak quite frequently to a lot of new patients that get diagnosed. My doctor called me up and say, you know, so I've got a new patient. Would you explain to them, you know, what they have in store? Because it, 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 it's a little better coming from a patient than a doctor sometimes uh, when you get newly diagnosed. So uh, here we are. And, you know, like I said, if you make it, if you make it through having a three-year-old and then, a, a, you know, a newborn on the way, remodeling a house and getting cancer all within six weeks, you can make it through anything. <laughs> well, Simon, we are so happy that you're healthy. I just want to let you know, and the folks at home don't know this, on behalf of the HHH Racing Podcast, we're going to make a donation to City of Hope and the MMRF on your behalf. So thank you very much for coming on the show and oh, donation will be coming their way to help folks uh, in need on uh, battling uh, multi-myeloma. So we're very happy you're healthy uh, and getting better uh, every, every day. And, and it's amazing that you're still 
have you know treatments that you have to deal with every day and you show up to work and I just want to show you one more video uh, I had Todd Shrupp on the show as you know uh, right your good friend uh, recently and I just want to bring up a quick comment very nice comment I asked everyone as I go ahead and bring it up on the screen here as I'm talking and clicking at the same time uh, let's bring Todd on the screen here um, I asked it was at a word association I asked him what he thought I just gave him a, a name of a person or a place and okay. I mentioned your name and this is what he said about Simon Bray. Simon Bray. My work husband. <laughs> By the way, someone had a question. I have to bring it up. Let me see if I can find the Simon Bray. If I can't find the question, I'll just, I remember what it was. It was from Tom. Someone asked, uh, did the comedic, um, banter back and forth was that developed or is that natural between you it's and, beyond uh, natural and that's the thing you know okay. you brought up when he was out with multiple myeloma it was the yeah. hardest year i had i can work with anybody that they put me on air with we've got many great people at tvg but when you have somebody who can finish your sentences and they're not there yeah. for a year that was a tough tough year uh simon talk a little bit about that year if you can and i mean todd is todd is such a great guy obviously and by the way, I, I, I could not show the Paul LaDuca like, reaction video because I want to keep this positive. I mean, I shed a tear. Right. I know you know what I'm referring to. Um, yeah. Talk a little about your relationship uh, with Todd and just and the support you had that year you were out was just tremendous. Yeah, it was just, I mean, I, you know, it, it, it blindsided me, the diagnosis, and then it blindsided uh, all my colleagues. You know, outside of, you know, my wife and family, I, I, I sit next to Todd Port probably more than anybody. Uh, and, and the, the rapport is natural. Like, I mean, work husband is exactly right. I promise you, Howard, if you came and sat at our set one day and watched us, everyone, uh, here's a, here's a, I'll give you a good example. Let's back up for a second. Bobby Flay, who I know very well, and he, he comes on our set, you know, a couple of times a year, and he's a fantastic guest, fantastic guest, produces all these cooking shows, great job. And he sat down at the Breeders' Cup, and he's like, I can't believe it. He watched this before he came on. He goes, I can't believe it. None of you guys have this like teleprompter. You're doing this all off the top of your head. And, and, and that really is it. We just, we have this rapport and I can finish his sentence. I know where he's going, his cadence of his voice. You know, I've been sitting next to him, to, you know, sometime we're not on camera and if he's struggling or, if, you know, we, we can have a, a past performance drop on the floor and we can just pick up and, and you guys at home would have no idea what, what, what's happening. But, but that's how we work. And it's, you know, it's a great broadcast team. I've, I've, I've get grown to understand it more. You see those great broadcast partnerships, you know, like the Monday night football uh, and the Sunday night football teams. They stay around for a long time and you can see why. Um, but yeah, I mean, he he's phenomenal to work with, Todd. And he's exceptionally talented at what he does. People really don't understand. I mean, it, lo it looks easy hosting, but it's it's the hardest job in television when you're on camera hosting. I have an easy job. He just asked me the questions. All I've got to do is be prepared to answer them. And that's my yeah. job. But, you know, and, you know you've, got, you've got to say that, be able to say the same thing in 25 different ways. Yeah, and you've got IFBs. And I mean, I've been behind yeah. the scenes, so I, I, I'm familiar with TV broadcasting. Like I said, I was a journalism major, and I've worked in a, sure. in a studio. So, I, I mean, you've got people talking in your ear. It's just – it's a very – these guys – 
ladies and gentlemen, make it look so much easier than it actually is, which I'll experience a little bit of that uh, coming up in late April. All right, Simon, listen, we I'd love to talk more. Now, we have a 10 minutes to post segment, but right. based on our time, we're going to go and handicap first. If we have time at the end, we'll come back to the 10 minutes to post segment. If not, we'll just save it for the next time because I guarantee – Myself and the viewers would love to have you back on at some point. So if we don't have time for the 10 minutes to post at the end of the show, uh, we'll do that. The well, next we time. can squeeze it in if we're running a little late. Don't worry. It's up to you. All right. No problem. Uh, well, we could do it now. It's 10 quick questions, or do you want to get into the handicapping? Yeah, just do it now if you want. That's fine. All right. We're going to do it real quick, folks. Again, okay. we have Simon Brave from TVG is here. Um, these are 10 rapid-fire questions. Let me bring up. I've, I've got a little uh, promo banner. Here we go. And 10 minutes to post. 10 minutes to post with Simon Bray. T- t- uh, Simon, these are going to be 10 rapid fire. You can answer them in two seconds or take as long as you want. But again, I want to be respectful of your time for the handicapping. Here we yeah. go. Are you right? You'll see them on the bottom of the screen. Okay. Some of them are horse racing. Some of them are not. You'll, you, All right. you'll see. We like, I like to surprise my guests. What was the first moment you fell in love with horse racing? Oh, that's easy. 10 years old. I went to Sandown Racetrack in England. Uh, the the best or most memorable horse racing event ever attended? Uh, it was winning the uh, Secretariat with Star Tech at Arlington. Park. All right. I don't think I, what year was that? That no. was 2001. Okay. I was not there, but I was, I'm okay. a big, I, if you want a big that race, it's still impossible to think that Star Tech won. He came from lost at first. My, my wife, who was my, wasn't even my fiance at the time. Um, that was one of our first first major trips together. So that that weekend meant a lot to me. By the way, one of our great viewers, C Money, he's tough. You're only coming not Simon's coming. Simon could be wrong on every pick today. We love Simon Bray. Simon ignore C Money. He's got a great sense of humor. All <laughs> right, uh, we love you back no matter what happens. Um, the best you talked about this a little bit already, but the best part about working at TVG. Talking about something that I, I love. It's not a job. You know, it's not work for me. You know, obviously, some days, you know, on a Wednesday, it becomes a grind. But, sure. I mean, I love this sport, and, I, and I, I get to talk about what I love. And that hopefully that comes through the camera, like you say, trying to be natural. No question. Now, this next question, of all the guests I've had on, I don't know how many guests. This is show 117. I've probably had 50 or 60 guests. Okay. I think this will be the most interesting answer from a guest because you've been so many places in the world. Is there a bucket list track or race day event you'd like to be to that you haven't been to yet? Yes, the Melbourne Cup, Australia. Yes. Easy one, yeah. I'm heading to Dubai in about three weeks for the Dubai World Cup. So I'm looking. Oh, wow. Terrific. Yeah, I've been to Tokyo, Royal Ascot. I just need to go to Melbourne. Okay, I've I've heard that's uh, it's the race that stops the nation, right? Yeah. Uh, by the way, Scott Hazelton just confirmed we heard Australians enjoy beer. I don't know that that's the rumor. Yeah. I guess you'll you'll find out you'll find out in person. Um, yeah. Most embarrassing moment on air. Now I've got a video. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I, I did that to Scott. He was like, "Well, you know, I'll tense yeah. up." So no, no video on this one. Do you have a particular moment that was pretty embarrassing? You might recall. I do. I have one really really bad moment that I will never forget. So it was in the Tampa Bay Derby uh, many, many moons ago. And I can't even remember the name of the horse right now. Um, Musket Man, maybe? Okay. Very fine. Yeah. So I was the reporter at that time in the winner's circle. The horses had come down to the wire in a photo finish, the first and second place. You know, they were dead on the wire. And this this was the – I mean, it's a cardinal sin. You should never do this. Call a photo finish. So – I turned to the, the clerk of the scales 
who was right next to me because I got my IFB going. I can hear the guys on the set. They're saying, who won, who won? I turn to the clerk of the scales. He's got a radio, and he goes, oh, definitely the three won, the three won. So I go on air, and I'm like, I'm standing right here, and the three's won, guys, before you know the three won. And they turn to the they, – they put the camera on the tote board, and they flash up the numbers. The three was second. I mean, it was just oh. – it was so embarrassing. It was just – I, I'm not describing it as bad as it was, but it was just that awkward moment. It really was. Lesson learned. By the way, we have a lot of people watching the show live here tonight. Thanks for watching as we got TVG, Simon Bray. Uh, four more quick questions, and then we're into handicapping. Uh, you just became U.S. President of Horse Racing. Congratulations, Simon, even though that doesn't exist. But we're making yeah. up on the show. What are the first three things you would change? Uh, things that you've heard from probably everybody. From a, from a you know owner's standpoint, universal licensing. You don't know how hard it is if you're getting into the sport to try and have a horse in different states. Universal licensing should be no okay. universal medication rules. That would be the second thing, I think. Uh, and then, I mean, th th those are the two major, major from a, from an administrative standpoint. Um, I I'm not a. This is this is probably not going to go over that well. Maybe. Re reduce the days of racing a little bit, kind of the schedule we're on now and increase the number of races over a weekend period. I think the days of racing on a Wednesday afternoon between one and five, I think that's gone. You know, people don't have the time to do it. There's a reason why you pay more for dinner in a restaurant than you pay for lunch because the demand is, high. there's a reason why you pay cheaper matinee tickets are cheaper at the theater rather than nights. I think we've got to gear more towards the entertainment hours in the day. I have no problem. And that will increase field size too, as well. So yeah. I, I have absolutely no problem with that. Uh, the best U.S.-based turf trainer not named Chad Brown? Chris Clement. I agree. By the way, uh, just recently named up for the Hall of Fame nomination, and he should be absolutely for, first ballot Hall of Fame. I hope yep. Christoph Clement gets in because there are a lot of worthy people and horses on that list. I don't know if you saw it. It just came out a few days ago. Yeah, uh, Graham Clement should be absolutely automatic on that list. Yep. Um, what advice would you give to a young person who wants to be a trainer? Um, I would say um, don't start too soon. Get get as much grounding and try and work for somebody. Um, various different types of trainers. Go work for a claiming trainer, as we call them, claiming trainers. Try and go and work for a big outfit. But see as many, get exposure to as many different operations as possible and learn not only the horsemanship, but how to manage a big stable as well. Two more questions. Not horse racing. The Premier League team you cheer for the most and who do you want to lose the most? Oh, that's easy. Spurs to win, Arsenal to lose. They're great rivals in the Premier League. <laughs> there you go. And last <laughs> question, perfect for a guy from the UK. Which food do you miss the most from your native land? Uh, I miss Sunday lunch, actually. I, I don't know whether you're familiar with the culture. Sunday lunch is a big... I, I, I've heard of it a little bit, yeah. Yeah, so it would be like a roast chicken, a roast pork, a roast beef every Sunday lunch. I miss Sunday lunch. And second, a short nose behind that would be the English breakfast. I, I've actually seen like video and pictures that looks a looks a little fattening. I have to yeah, say, yeah, yeah. not that, that for me, I don't look at me, but I mean you. I know you keep it great. <laughs> there's bacon involved. There's a whole bunch of things. Yeah. A lot of meats, I think. Correct. So uh, right. anyway, all right. Listen, there you go. That was a ten minutes to post, Simon. You survived it. it. Congratulations. All right, let's get into the happy handicapping. We have a lot to talk about now. Here's what we're going to do, folks, because they have nine stake races on Saturday at Gulfstream. Eight of them, I believe, are graded. We're going to focus on the late pick five. So we're going to go through the first three 
graded stake races on the card. But folks, we're going to be very, very quick with them. Yeah. And then we're going to go ahead and in detail or as much detail really as Simon would like to give us because of our time constraints. Uh, we're going to go in detail, show replays about uh, the late pick five in detail. So I'm going to bring up two things of uh, the Aquabase uh, PP, uh, the Aquabase, so we can see who's in the race time. And that'll bring up DRF formulator is my main, of course, a uh, use for the uh, my, my main tool. So sure. let, let's go ahead and bring up the first item here as we, all right. So, and I, by the way, sometimes Simon will be on screen like this. Uh, when we get to the detailed PPs, I'll take us off so people can see the numbers and everything better. Uh, the first race we're going to talk about, again, this is, of course, outside the pick five. Very briefly, Simon, this is the Canadian turf. It's a grade three. We can see on the screen there. Uh, it's for, uh, they're going a mile of 16th for older males. I'm going to go ahead and show everyone. There's the field right there, as we can see. Uh, obviously, we got a big favor, never surprised. And the second choice is a horse I want to ask you about because it's an import for Chad Brown. Uh, who do you like in this race, Simon? Well, I think it's a two-horse race. I think you go between Never Surprise and Mouillage, who's the seven to the outside. I'll touch real quick on Never Surprise. Cutting back to a mile 16th after a gutsy effort behind Stablemate in the Pegasus. I think the mile probably a little too far against that competition. Not a whole lot of pace in here. Siglioso to the inside could probably be the one that could put a little pressure, but I doubt it. Never Surprise looks to try and go gate to R. And the last two races are mile 16th have just been blowout wins. They were against straight three-year-olds, but never surprised Shoddy can go up against older horses. But the X factor it is the uh, European import, Mouillage, for Chap Brown. It, it's hard to tell off pure form. You can't really look at the races and say, well, this horse is going to do good in Europe because there's so many different variables from a training standpoint where they adjust, whether it's ground, whether it's you know, uh, the way they acclimate, whether, you know, the additional LASIK sometimes, obviously that doesn't get, that's not going to happen in these stakes races. But Mouillage has some good form. He ran two starts back. He ran a very good third behind a horse called Egot, who's a grade three winner and has won two listed races for Andre Favre. That's a, it's, okay. it's a pretty good horse. The Sire Toronado is the Sire of Trip uh, Huvan, who won the United Nations for Chad. So he's got some familiarity yeah. there. And uh, the, the form is good. The runner-up two starts back, also grade three placed. So okay. I don't see much speed from Mouillage, but they're going to try and run down Never Surprise would be my guess. Yeah. Um, now, Mouillage has been mainly – these are mainly provincial tracks, right? But, I yeah. mean, obviously not Deauville, but some of these other ones. So for people who don't know what we're talking about, those are sort of lower, you know, like the Charlestowns. It's sort of your lower-level tracks. But I will say this, Simon, and, and, and again, we're going to be very quick with these races, folks. Um do you know who he has been working with recently? Because I'm a big works guy, Simon. I spend a lot of time, way too much time. I, I grade my papers. I do my, my full-time job. But then I've got a second job, which I get, you know, quote-unquote paid for, hopefully, when you when you, you know, bet these races. Do you know right. who he's been working with recently? I do not, no. He's, he was working with Adhamo, the nice Chad Brown Euro who just ran at the fairgrounds a few weeks ago and almost won. Yes. Um, so he's been working with some good ones. He was also working with Kalukin Queen, a horse you may or may not have heard of. Also a nice horse for Chad of Philly. So the point I'm making here, uh, Simon and everyone else, is he's been working with some good ones. I think this horse is well meant. And I'll just say this. I am fascinated by this horse. I think there's actually some speed to go with Never Surprised. I would not be shocked if Never Surprised loses. Uh, the other thing, Simon, I'll just mention about Never Surprised He's coming off a very big effort and a buyer top, and you know better than anyone as a trainer. He could be ready for uh, for a regression. Now, listen, he's by far the horse to beat, 
But I would not be shocked if Muyaj uh, comes over the top at a price maybe like three to one, seven to two more in line and wins. Your thoughts before we move on? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, that's how I see the race. I mean, never surprise is going to be leading them to the 16th pole, but yeah. Chad is so good coming, uh, you know, bringing these European runners. And I just saw an interesting stat with him just to digress a little bit. For what, what do you think he is statistically at Gulfstream Park over the last two years, Chad Brown? First not time. Very, I could, I, I'll tell you, I don't, I don't want to take the time to look it up, but I know not very good because I know that he sends his best uh, maidens down to Tampa Bay. He just prefers that track a yep. lot better, correct? It's very bad, actually, exactly. correct? That's where I was going. Yeah, he's 0 for 20 the last two years with first time starters on the turf. Wow. It's, it's incredible. Now, is that I mean, maidens or horses that have never been on the turf? Maidens. That's maidens. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's, it's shocking. I, I heard that. A few days ago, and I actually, I, uh, bad beast story. We don't want to hear it. But anyway, <laughs> the, the, I needed the, I needed his first time star for the pick six on the mandatory payout last week and lost by a nose. But anyway, <laughs> whatever. Move on. All right, let's go on to the next race. We're going to talk about again. Uh, and, and for experienced viewers of the show, the reason why we, we don't have picks on the bottom of the screen, ladies and gentlemen, is because we're going to put those on for the late pick five. So again, just very briefly here, the next race we're going to talk about is race five at Gulfstream. This is the very one. This is going to be for, uh, it's a mile and eighth. This is for older Philly and mares. Sorry, mile and three eighths, three eighths. excuse me. Older Philly and mares on the turf. And like I said, it's a grade three. I'll everyone look at the field right there. Uh, you can see the, the Moorline favorites, Virginia Joy. I thought this was a very uh, tough race. So I bring up the PPs. Uh, who do you like in this race, Simon? Well, I was between I – thought, I thought the race went through Virginia Joy and, you know, the two Clement runners, they always run, you know, their eyes out. And that's beautiful lover, Sorrell. I had beautiful lover last time out, four to one. I thought she was rounding in um, to good form last time out. But Virginia Joy, to me, you know, when I start digging through a form, it, it's pretty good. She was beaten last out behind another Clement runner and Call Me Love. Muta Makina came back. You know, she's won three in a row, won the EP Taylor Thundering Knights is a grade one winner for, for yeah. Joseph O'Brien. She ran behind me, Mary. On form, she is clearly the one to be. I don't worry about fitness off the layoff with Chad. So I agree the race goes through her. The interesting horse, I'd heard some comments from Todd Pletcher this week. If you're looking for a, a big bomb, I think Mezcal, I'm not sure what price she is as I look at my notes here on the morning Six line. To one. Six to one. So, well, yeah, she should be higher than that, I think, Mezcal. Yeah. But he's really – think she's improving at the right time and there's nothing more dangerous from a trainer standpoint than an improving filly she she won on the synthetic last time beating a next out winner she's todd said she's better on the grass and she loves the distance and bottom line as you know that's the key at these extended distances you got to yeah. get the trip a lot of them do but i'm a virginia joy guy and i think mezcal would be a horse to use underneath in a super or try are we sure that's not some uh bobby flay love though as well <laughs> oh, yeah bobby yeah flay. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Listen, I've got, I think Virginia Joy, if she's ready, wins. Uh, yep. She's a lone A uh, to me. Uh, not a single, but the top choice for sure. I, I don't want to take time, but I just want to let everyone know that uh, there are some horses coming out of the same race. And Beautiful Lover, who uh, I'm trying to see the number here, I should, the eight got a dream. Dream. Yep. Trip, Trip of the century last time. I'm completely against beautiful lover in this spot sorrell finished second who's the nine ran much better i thought yep. closing from further back so i just want to mention to the viewers if i had to choose between the eight or the nine it would be by far the nine because rosario got a dream trip and ride uh on beautiful lover and maybe she can do it again but 
I'm always looking, you know, at trips and thinking the nine is no, that was. The eight in general. But I would say uh, the five is definitely the horse to beat, Virginia Joy. Um, all right, let's move on to the uh, the last race that we're going to talk about before the pick five, Simon, and that is race six. As I switch over there, this is the Devona Dale. Now, this is for a restricted three-year-old. Uh, no, I'm sorry. This is older horses. I'm sorry. Right? Uh, I'm drawing a blank here. Uh, no, this is this is for the this is points for the Oaks. I apologize. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's been a long week, Simon. Um, yeah, no points for the Oaks. Um, they're going. This is a Grade Two. Uh, it's for restricted three-year-old fillies. They're going one mile, so it's a one-turn mile. You see uh, the field. This is wide open, Simon. And the three-year-old filly division right now has some monsters, but I really think there are a lot of horses that have a lot of improving due to catch up. Uh, to some of the, the top choices, there's a horse called a Dare Manor out on the West Coast who could be absolutely anything. Of course, you got Echo Zulu. So these these are sorry your second and third string fillies as of right now, in my opinion, Simon. I would assume you'd agree. Who do you like though in this very interesting wide open race? Yeah, I mean you've got a couple of you know undefeated runners to the inside. Kathleen O, classy edition. They they they're gonna uh, they're gonna get a lot of attention. I ended up going with the four out Fox here, and and I th- I'll tell you. Why? I think this horse has got a little bit of recency edge over the one and the two. Um, the one-term mile is not going to be an issue. She she crushed in those restricted Florida Stallion stakes, and obviously that's weaker competition. But, I mean, it, you know, it's not, sometimes it's not who you beat, it's how you beat them. And she was very impressive. I like the way she had some time off to develop over the winter. Typical Bill Mott move, just back off, let her grow up. She came back running. I think she takes a bit another big step forward here. She beat Goddess of Fire. She came back. She was second in the Rachel Alexander down at the fairgrounds, and she's been working extremely well up at Payson Park, according to my uh, to my sources. So I think outfoxed will where I'll go at five to one in the morning. Line. You know, I thought this was a tough race. There was there, there's quite a bit of speed. You've got like the horse on the outside who's a, you know been sprinting a little bit. Yep. Cocktail uh, moments is going to come right behind, but Sweet Danny girl looks quick. She's been sprinting. Outfox is not slow. Girl, girl with the dream is definitely going. Classy Edition's been sprinting. I, I'm i not going to get fooled into thinking that Kathleen O is a monster because she won by eights. Because as you know, Simon, every race tells its own story. It's very situational. She got a fast pace last time for Castellano and Shug McGahee. I think she gets it again. I know the rail is tricky at Gulfstream going a mile, come out of the chute. But I think she's just going to take back, make one big run. I like Kathleen O again, mainly be it's a, more of a, a pace angle to me. And I think she's capable. She's by upstart out of a blame mare, so I'm not worried about, of course, the mile. She's already run at that distance. I'm going with Kathleen O, Simon, as I bring this back on screen. But I thought a very difficult race, and many uh, can win there. Um, all right, Simon, let's get into this pick five, because this this late pick five. Now, for everyone knows, I'm going to put us both on full screen here just a minute. Uh, I talked about this with Scott, and I'm sure you're aware. There are two special $1 pick fives happening this weekend now they're the races that are at san anita and gulfstream so they've got a dollar all pick five turf and a dollar all pick five dirt by the way simon 12 percent takeout what first yeah. that in stronach what they're doing this weekend i think is tremendous this pick five that simon and i are going to talk about is just the traditional late pick five at gulfstream but folks if you like pick fives i mean you can certainly play those other ones but those are a dollar minimum bet this is 50 cent minimum bet that we're going to talk about. This sequence, Simon, 
Holy cow. I found this really fascinating. Let's go. Let's just jump right in. The first one is race nine. I'm going to go and just put the PPs up here instead of um, showing the Equibase, uh, the, the lineup here, just so we can get right to it. The first race, this is the Honey Fox. It's a grade three. It's a mile on turf uh, for uh, the, the Phillies and mares, uh, who are you going with? And then, of course, on the bottom of the screen, folks, you see Simon's had a very busy day. No shade at all. I'm going to try. Simon, if you have your top three picks, I'll go ahead and punch them in. If not, that's okay. You can just talk about them. You see my picks are on the bottom, and if possible, we'll try to get Simon's top three picks um, into these races also as we talk. Who are you going with in the Honey Fox, Simon, to kick off the pick -off? Well, I think this is a tough race to kick it off with. I think you need a little bit of coverage here. I think five, six, nine is exactly where I would be using those three. I've got those three on my ticket, but I'm also adding nice. one price in here. A horse who I liked a little bit last time out in the Pegasus uh, World Cup for Limited Turf in Invitational. And that's Wakanaka the eight. Okay, um, so I'm sorry to interrupt you. Is your order five, six, nine officially, or you rather not give a, a five, six, copy? eight, nine, five, six, eight, nine, five, six, eight, nine. As I'm talking here. I'm just yep. typing that in so people can see. And also we have people, of course, are going to be listening later on, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, sure. so they can't see on the bottom. I'm sorry, so you 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 uh, you said the eight you'd like to talk about. Yeah, the eight. Wakanaka is going to be – look, th this is a horse that they I know the connections fairly well, um, Gary Barber. And they've been – you know, look, he, he's been involved in a lot of good horses. And, and, and Gary and, and the connections, they don't talk the horses up, really. They're very realistic about their chances. And they thought – the Wakanaka had a little bit of a live long shot chance in that uh, Peg Pegasus Philly Mare Turf Invitational. That's a big ask, you know. She was coming from Europe first yeah, we're, up. We're going to bring it up, Simon. I'm sorry to interrupt you. We're, the Wakanaka is the two. Everyone needs to pay attention to the two, five, six, and 11. They're all coming. When I say those numbers, Simon and everyone, those are the numbers of the horses in the replay we're watching, not the numbers right. that are going to be happening on Saturday. Simon, I'm going to get it to the, you know, about – uh, into the turn, and you can talk about Wakanaka here, who is the two, as I go ahead and bring this up on screen. Yeah, you're right. Bipartisanship, Gift, Lift, Alms, and Wakanaka all coming out of the same race. Now, a lot of it was her first start in the U.S., and, you know, on face value, it doesn't look like she ran that well. She's beaten five lengths, but I like her. Look, turning for home, that's her in the pink silks down on the inside. She gets a ground-saving trip. She's, you know, within striking range at the top of the stretch, and she just flattened out late. Look, does she jump off the page at you not there now? But she had every reason to finish, you know, 10th in a field of 10. She's a little one pace late, but I think there's some improvement there for her. I really do. Um, I, I'm, you know, coming back to a mile, I think he's going to be okay for her. I think that might help her out a little bit. And if the, pay, you know, they can run away from her a little bit, she might be able to just relax and finish. So I threw her in there more as a little bit of a price. So five, six, eight, nine, I'll make my top pick just because she's going to be the best price out of her. I didn't really have a strong opinion of this race, but out of all the ones out of that race, she has a license to take a step forward more than anybody because it was her first start since April of last year. Uh, and you know Bill Mott well. He doesn't always have him cranked off the layup, does he? He's right. better. I don't have the stats in front of him, but I think it's fair to say he'll be better second off the layup. Would you agree with that, Simon? 100%. And, you know, the fact that he put her in that race to start with and then comes right back in here tells me she hasn't missed a beat since the, the, the Pegasus and everything's going in the right direction. She'll outrun her odds. I'm sure of that. Absolutely. I see we have a lot of comments, folks. We're going to – I'm going to try to limit putting comments on the screen. Let me just go ahead and put us on screen here. Please continue. With the, we, I, you can't see him, uh, Simon, but right. we have a lot of people commenting, not questions for you, just about the horses they like. Folks, please 
continue commenting on the right side of the screen. Also comment below the video player after the show, or if you watch this as a replay, I'll try to bring some of your comments up, folks, but we have a lot of races to talk about. So I just want to apologize in advance for our viewers if I'm not able to show some of their comments on the screen. Uh, I like, as you can see, uh, the number five, and the number five uh, was is bipartisanship. Now, bipartisanship was in that race that we just watched she was the 11. It ended up being a slower pace. Uh, the pace didn't really work out, but she came running late along with Giftless. These are the two I like. Giftless got a perfectly fine trip, Simon, and finished, by the way, ahead of Wakanaka um, and, and ran sort of evenly, similar to, to the Wakanaka, but I think this horse has a little uh, more upside. She's a, a four-year-old for uh, Brian Lynch. And bipartisanship I like as well for Paco. I think there's more speed in this race, and I think it's going to set up better uh, this time. Um, Alms, I do not like in this spot. Alms is in this race also, uh, Simon, but there was, like I said, uh, she got a perfect trip. Uh, great ride by Rosario to go to the lead. I don't see that happening. There's more speed in here as well. And I just want to also want to mention the nine in Italian who looks slow on figs. This is a Chad Brown progressive four-year-old filly who has some speed um, and has been winning just, I mean, very, very easily, Simon. So as you know, uh, there is a possible for a big jump when a horse is just running comfortable. By the way, owned by a pretty good guy, Peter Brandt, who has his best horses with Chad. So um, also by Dubawi. So really nice breeding there. I'm going five, six, nine. So anything else before we move on to the next race? A very tough way to start the pick five. Yeah, very, very tough. I, I think that pretty much covers it. But uh, yeah, for the prices out there, throw in the eight if you put putting the ticket together. Absolutely. Why? Let, let, throw in that eight, everyone. All right, let's go on to the next race. This is race 10. This is the grade two Gulfstream Park Mile. This is for older males. It's $200,000. They're going down that chute one mile. Simon, this is, boy, when I saw, now there was a version, a lot of these horses are coming out of a similar race that I personally saw on Pegs this day, and I loved, loved Speaker's Corner that day. I'll just say that. I am, as I said before, and I'm sure you agree, Every race, as I like to say, tells its own story. It's very situational. To me, this is a much, much more difficult situation for Speaker's Corner, in my opinion. Perhaps you have him on top. Who do you like in this race, Simon? I don't have Speaker's Corner on top. I have the horse that finished behind Speaker's Corner on top, and that's Fearless. I, I think there's going to be a form reversal here. I mean, you look at it and you can say, on paper, well, Speaker's Corner beat Fearless last time out. But I, I think there's a couple of reasons why. And you can see on your... Your past performances there. If you, if you just put up Phyllis's past performance, no problem. For and I think what contributed to uh, to his defeat last time out. You can see he was drawn post one of eight, finished second. He was slow away. He got you know broke a step slow. The field came over on top of him. Didn't really perform his best. And then you go deep down through those past performances. Every time Phyllis draws the one hole, for the most part, disappointing effort. Let's take a look at it right here. You can see him drawn down to the inside. This is not a typical Pletcher horse out of the gate. They usually involved early. Look, just a step slow, and it's game over from right here because the field just comes over on top of Fearless here. And then yeah. I tell you what Lewis Sayers did, and I think he knows this horse well. He's only ridden him a couple of times, but he's down on the inside now. What does he do? He shifts him to the outside. You can see he's driving on him. He's one, two, yeah. three, four. He's six in the Rapoli Silks. This horse is usually much closer to the pace. He would like to be in the spot where the four is right now. So now he's going inside of horses. But once he gets him outside right here, this move here, 
is what makes him run a decent second. Because I think if he stays down on the rail, just eating dirt there, he doesn't run a good race. I mean, he's off the bridle here. He does extremely well to run second. So I like the post position today. And I think he can turn the tables on Speaker's Corner. Yeah, I was watching this live, and, and I love Speaker's Corner. I got to say, I was really worried. My only concern, should he have not won this race, Simon? I don't know. I, I mean, he got a really good trip. He just couldn't. He, he's very grindy. He's This is a big horse, guys. This is a, I've seen him in person. I'm sure you have, too. Uh, he's a big horse. Like Simon said, he's not great out of the gate. He's very grindy. I also sort of feel like he should have won that race. Now, people might be saying, Howard, what are you talking about? You've got him in second. Uh, in, the, in this race, I think there's more speed even in this race than there was last time. And he's very honest. And the fact, Simon made a great point. The fact that he's coming off the rail, I think it's going to help him immensely. He yeah. won't have to work to get to the outside. There's a lot of speed in here. I do like Fearless, but he's just not really a win type for me. And I think he's going to be, you know, bet pretty heavily, Simon. Uh, do you have a top three before we talk about some others in here, by the way? Yeah, I'm going to put, uh, I'll put, uh, uh, fearless on top, and I use okay. the eight, eight collaborate as well. Okay. And uh, so five, six, eight in numerical order for you. New York traffic was the other one because he's a horse that's coming cool. back off a layoff, and historically he runs well off the layoff. I think he's got to improve a little bit in some of his races, but he seems to fire his best shot when he's fresh. So five, six, eight in here. All right, is that fearless is the four? Does he mean four, six, eight? Oh, four, six, eight. Sorry, excuse me. Yes, no four, problem. Six, eight. Four, six, eight. All right. Uh, <laughs> We, well, Simon and I, it's amazing that Simon and I somewhat agree. I don't know if you saw my picks on the bottom there, Simon. We've got the same three um, in a pretty wide open race. We need to talk about the eight because, Simon, this is one of my plays of the day. I'll say right now, I love, love collaborate in this spot. And the eight to one I even love more. I, I have to show the last replay very quickly, Simon. Um, I'm, by the way, I have two seats in the Ultra Betting Challenge. This week, and I actually, I won them. I, I don't have deep pockets, so I actually won them on Pegasus Day and the next day. I had a crazy weekend. That's a whole other story. So I've got two seats in the live money ultimate betting challenge. I don't want to give many secrets away. Yeah, let's don't. Just say, let's just say, Simon, this horse will be important to me, okay? okay. You know, now, and I, I need your backing because you like this horse too. Yep. People might say, Howard, Simon, this horse is slow. Perhaps, but he is absolutely improving, folks. And this last run... First time as a four-year-old, he got into trouble, Simon, and he, he's the five horse here. We're going to show it a little bit here. He's a big horse, but he's getting better. He took a lot of dirt. He's in between horses here. Look at the stranglehold he's got on this horse, Simon. And once he angles him out, you can see he really has nowhere to go. Uh, you obviously know jockeys very well. The jockey's just waiting, waiting. He still has traffic trouble. Once he angles out here, folks, and you see the seven is trying to keep him hemmed in. You can see how big a horse he is. Simon, once he gets to the outside, it, it, it's game over, and he rolls. You see he's got a huge stride. He's, like, fearless, but I think he's more talented. And this is as easy a win. Look, he's geared down here. at the. Look at this. Geared down at the end, Simon. I love, love that kind of replay. I think he's got big upside. I will say, full disclosure, Simon, this was a Kentucky Derby future horse uh, for me last year. I thought he was that talented. Didn't pan out. Maybe he had some growing pains, whatever. He's going to get pace to run into. I think he's got more upside than Fearless. I love Collaborate. Do you think I'm going to get that 8-1, to one, Simon? I don't know if I am. 
I don't know. It's going to come down. You'll get at least six to one. I okay. like those reasons. I thought visually he was impressive. And I agree with you that because I watched that backtrack too. Yeah. Sometimes you've got to take your, you know, you look down at the past performances, says the length of three quarters. That could have been four and three quarter lengths. It, it doesn't do it justice. Yeah. Uh, and Working me, great too, by the way. Working really well also. Yeah. And, and he loves, to me, I always liked, especially at the one turn mile, the seven furlong trip, I always like to look back at horse's prior records. He's undefeated pretty much at this one-turn mile here at Gulfstream Park in his last yeah. two starts. You know, they've been very, very impressive. So he's yeah. absolutely a horse that's going to benefit if the pace melts down. You know, that I, I that's a great point. Broke his maiden going a mile. Gulfstream won by five. I mean, this is this – is, it just suits him really well. And, and, by the way, again, we need to keep moving on, folks. Real quick, Simon's like me. We love to talk forever. I like yeah. Simon, I like New York traffic also. I mean, what 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 has this horse done wrong? A Safi can win off layoffs. He's got this horse working well. I think this horse is better at one turn, Simon. We we've seen this horse, you know, yep. he was on the Kentucky Derby trail. He ran some nice races last year. I actually think the one turn miles better for him. He gets IRAD. I mean, why not, right? That's exactly right. That's I, I think the one turn mile is key. It's a specialist distance and like seven furlongs. And real quick with collaborate. Yeah. Why, just look at his past performances again. Just wipe out the two two turn races. Yep. Take out the two mile and eighth races where they it was just terrible. Beating eighteen lengths, fourteen lengths. All the others are one turn efforts. And he's winning or he's Absolutely. third. You know, he's a one turn horse, the eight collaborate, at least right now. Yeah, I, I think he's live. Real quick before we move on, what's wrong in Speaker's Corner? Nothing's wrong in Speaker's Corner. Speaker's Corner could win. Um, I mean, he was in a dueling, he was in a very tough pace situation last time. I think there's more pace here, and I don't like he was, you know, he wasn't even the seven hole. I think, I think the post makes a huge difference in this mile shoot. I don't yeah. like him on the inside. He's gonna be, he's gonna be pressed. I think the one is gonna be a major thorn in his side, even though he's not as good. I think uh, Gonzalez has to go from there, I would think. Uh, there's other speed in here. I got to find out. I mean, what is Injunction going to do, Simon? I mean, this horse is super fast for Carl uh, Vaccarezo. I mean, he wants to win in his home track. He's definitely going. Um, and then you got Diamond Oops, who's not slow. So I don't know. Speaker's Corner can obviously win. I love the horse. I just don't like the spot for him. And you seem to agree. I do. Look, I like the horse as well. But at some point, you've got to take a stand against favorites. You can't yep. pop, you know, load favorites up. And well, historically, I've always said, I said this to Todd, you know, these, these all states pick four, they, they can't, they do provide big, big payoffs. Very rare. You're going to get that big 30 to one shot. Cause either, these are form four horses that hold their form, but favorites can get beaten. And if they get beaten, it pays along the way. So you've got to eliminate some along the way. Absolutely. Uh, Christine, thanks for joining the show. Uh, good. Fantastic uh, weekend time spent here. Thank you, Christine. Appreciate the compliment. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to next race. Simon race 11. Another great race here as I go ahead and uh, do all the uh, switching here. Uh, you see my picks, folks. We'll get Simon's picks here in just a minute. Race 11 is the grade two McDarmida. Uh, it's a mile and three-eighths on the turf. This is for the boys. Um, Aban, the number one, is turned into a real nice horse for Todd Pletcher. One about as easily as possible in the in the prep for this, the W.L. McKnight, the grade three on uh, Pegasus Day. Who are you going with here in this race, Simon? Uh, my top pick in here is the eight Temple for trainer okay. Mike Maker. Yeah. You have a top uh, three? A top three? I'll give you my top three in order would be eight uh, or one, two, eight, I guess. But in numerical order, eight would be my top pick, the two and then the one. Eight, two, one. Yeah. I should ask you that first so we don't keep doing it because I'm typing in here so people can see. Again, yeah. for those of you who are listening on 
Apple Podcast, Spotify, Simon's going eight to one. I like Temple also. I've gotten third. Why don't you talk about Temple? Temple, I just thought he had a real wide trip last time out. I thought he gave up a lot of ground. Uh, look, Maker's got five runners in here. Pletcher's got three. They make up eight of the – how many's in here? Eleven, I think. So they've got uh, it surrounded. I think 12, yeah. actually. Oh, 11, yeah, 11. 11. Yeah, so I think Temple was just a little further back than he typically should be last time out with, the, you know, slightly a slow break and that wide trip. I thought he gave up a lot of ground. Again, a victim, I think, of the inside post. So, you know, he gets away from inside post, moves to the outside, and I think that's going to help him a lot here. So – this is this could be four or five horses just all dumping themselves on the wire at the same time here. It could be a very, very tight finish. Simon, I'm going to show the uh, – because I was going to show a replay. I'm so glad you mentioned it. I'm going to get – I apologize. I Like I said, we're live here. I'm trying to get to the spot that I want here. Sorry about that. Let's go to right here. I'm going to freeze it right here. So the 1, 4, 9, and 10, folks, are the horses you want to pay attention to. Aban, who wins, is about to take the lead. And by the way, a very slow pace. Just want to mention, Media Blitz is the 4 right here. Again, when I say these numbers, folks, that's in this race, obviously, not in the race on Saturday. But they're all racing against each other. And Saturday, you got to watch these replays, right, Simon, if you want to do your deep diving, in my opinion, when you got horses coming out of the same race. Media Blitz is on the inside, ladies and gentlemen, getting an absolutely dream-perfect trip. Right behind is the nine, Glen County, who also got a trip. And then Temple is not even in the picture right now. Right. He's me coming from way behind, closing into a slow pace, an angle that I love. Simon, I'll let it roll. Watch the one, four, nine, and ten. That's exactly right. I, I use the same tools that you, the formulator, and use these replays. you got to use them when you have multiple horses. And you can Here see comes. Temple on the out, wide outside, black silks. And he, look, it's a wide trip, but it's an uninterrupted trip. He can't cut, save ground. He's going to get piled up with traffic. But this is not typically where he likes to find himself back, eight, nine lengths back. And that was because of the bad start. You can't reel in. You can't give up that much ground with the rails out that far. I thought he ran a huge race, diving into a slow place. This is a trainer reclaim for Mike Maker, who just excels at this sort of, you know, these long-distance turf races. He had this horse back in Belmont last year. Took him back from Tom Morley, and I think with a clean break, he he could get the job done in here. Yeah, someone's going to have to go with a bond. I'm not really sure who that would be. Um, again, I don't want to take too much time going through all the uh, – safe conduct, I think, off the layoff will show some speed for Leperu. And actually, there's another horse, a tie to the sea with blinkers on um, for Maker is probably going to send as well. So I got a feeling Tide of the Sea is the one that's going to press. Someone's yeah. got to press this Pletcher horse, and what? they all know it, right? So as a trainer, Simon, as a former trainer, uh, when you see a horse that's just been walking on the lead, um, you got to figure, I mean, someone's going to go after him, right? Unless it's unless it's New York, and then nine times out of ten, they go 50 to the half. Don't get me started on that. And I love yeah. New York racing, by the way. I mean, someone's got to come after this horse, right? They can't just let this horse walk again. Yeah, look, Maker's got five in here. He ran second to him last time out, yeah. and he knows what to do. So the blinker's on. Rafael Hernandez on the four. That's the horse to put pressure on a bond. Yeah, absolutely. So it'll be interesting to see. I have nothing against the bond, by the way. But this, is again, is a horse I'm trying to beat, Simon, in the pick five. I mean, this is a horse I'm going to use. Obviously, you, you would recommend people use him. But yeah. I, he's not going to be an A for me. I, you, you, gotta, you can't just have eight to fives win in your pick five as A's. And I don't think he has to win. So uh, I think they, they need to force this horse to rate and see if he can do that. And maybe he can. If he can, you know, more power to him and you just move on.
Yeah. Uh, all right, let's go on to the last two races. Time we're doing great with time, by the way. Really appreciate everything, all the great analysis you're giving us. Uh, the last two races here. This is the oh. feature race of the day. It's the Grade Two Fonda Youth. Let me go ahead and switch over here. Uh, we'll get Simon's top three picks here in just a second. This is, of course, the huge Kentucky Derby prep. Uh, there, this is a 50-point race. There's a lot of points on the line. $400,000, a lot of history in this race as well, going back quite a while. A mile 16th, it's a very short run to the first turn. Posts will matter. Simon, you got horses coming off layoffs. You got horses with established form. You got a lot of speed in this race. This is going to be an absolute skull buster. First, give us your top three picks, and then we'll do our analysis. Yeah, look, I, I struggle. I'm still struggling over this race. I mean, I'm giving you three picks now. I don't know whether they're going to change much, change, might change between now and Saturday afternoon because I've vacillated back and forth with this race. I narrowed it down for, for three selections. Um, I ended up with a, a big price, Howling Time, the four Indu Time, and the nine High Oak. High Oak would be my top pick, the nine, and then, the, you know, a, a coin flip between the uh, the three and the four, Howling Time okay. and Indu Time. So you're going nine, three, four, four correct? Yeah. Okay. Simon's going nine, three, four. Uh, let, let's talk about uh, there are a lot of interesting horses in the street. Let's first talk about your top pick, the nine okay. High Oak. Uh, Bill Mott and Junior Alvarado, fantastic combination, have not raced in September in the hopeful. Yeah, look, they've always thought very highly of this horse. Um, uh, you know, I know Lee Einsiedel, the owner, he, he bought him for 70000 He was He was a Gormley, um, and the, he lived up to expectations. Disappointed in the hopeful, and they thought he could go all the way, you know, maybe to, towards the Breeders' Cup, and they had to back off. I got to see some video of his last workout and the work before that, and I was extremely impressed up at Payson Park. I mean, Bill's been training there for over 25 years, and, yeah, you know, those horses, that's a great place to get a good foundation on a horse. If they're working bullet workouts you see on the page there, those horses are usually doing it by themselves, and I was really impressed. His last work was phenomenal all alone, so I think he's coming into this race in good shape. They could have found an easier spot for him to start him off, but I think it's a real vote of confidence. They want to throw him right here into the Fountain of Youth. That camp thinks he's ready for this task. And sorry, if I may say, because uh, a lot of our viewers probably don't know, Payson's a very deep surface. So you yep. see a bullet in 101 and 4, you're like, oh, that's not much. For Payson, that's pretty quick. That's a very demanding surface, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, going from, from Payson Park to Gulfstream Park, that's, <laughs> the analogy I use is if you go to the beach – and you're you're yeah. running in the deep soft sand at the top of the beach. That's Payson Park, and then you can run down where the ocean's washed up and it's really compact. That's Gulfstream yeah. Park. So okay. you have a huge edge if you train at Payson. Uh, you, you have a horse that I have in the mix also. Uh, in in I don't see you don't see him uh, in my top three, but I'm using him. Howling Time won uh, won very well in the street sense at Churchill last fall. Has been working absolutely lights out. But uh, I, I I do want to talk about those bullet works, but I'll let you talk first about Howling Time. Yeah, Howling Time, the, the, the angle for me was he comes out, actually, the Kentucky Jockey Club uh, turned out to be one of the key races for two-year-olds. Absolutely. Better than the Breeders Cup, right? With classic course where he just won the Sam F. Davis. There you White go. It's on the screen, Simon. You can. Oh, there you go. White Barrio, you can see, uh, won the uh, Holy Bull and, and Call Me Midnight down there, seventh he won down yeah. at uh, the fairgrounds, <laughs> right? won the LeCompte. So there you have it right there. Smile, happy, a little disappointing. But, yeah, I think if he goes back to some of his form, again – I, I don't discredit – a lot of people, novice handicappers, look at the most recent race and just throw a horse out. With these two-year-olds, when they have a poor performance and go to the sidelines for three to four months, I don't penalize them for that. I just eliminate that running line out of their past performance 
Rams, like I did with High Oak, and handicap from there on out. And, you know, if he goes back to, you know, what he showed in his first two starts, I think he could be a threat here. But you're right, he has a lot of fast workouts at Gulfstream Park here. I'd like to see him relax a little bit rather than being up on the front end. And if his workouts, uh, anything to go by, my my one concern with him would be he'd be too sharp out of the gate off the left and just gets chewed up on the front end. I like howling time. I just want to say this, and I have respect for all clockers, but I want to be fair to our viewers. I watched the work on the 26. It says breezing. That was not breezing, Simon. I know you have a, a great eye for works. I was going to uh, bring up a, a Tom Amos, uh, Donna Brothers <laughs> replay. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, yeah. about works. I, lo- I I remember that to this day, by the way. That that was a great – if you want to go YouTube that because that was a very fascinating conversation about a Breeders' Cup horse. But anyway, I regress. Uh, that was not breezing, Simon. He was asked a lot in the second part of that work. Now, it was very good, but I just want to say that that breezing designation is wrong. That's just ridiculous. But he has been working well. Uh, the horse I have on top is you have in third in due time ran really well for Kelly Breen. Yeah. I think he's going to set a real nice trip by not this time out of a curling mare. Yeah, I think he's going to love the distance. He's trying two turns for the first time. He's got those two one-turn races under his belt. That's something I yeah. look for a lot in my handicapping. Two sprints stretching out. He's got a mile. Yeah. And I think he's, he's built to love the distance. And he's got recency as well. Uh, yes. Now, I got to talk about this horse for a minute. I know we're getting short on time. We'll we'll just talk very quickly about the last race. Giant game. I told you a little before the show, the pregame, when people weren't we weren't live yet. Giant game is a horse that was touted, first of all, by Nick Hines on this show in October before his main race. And he said, Howard, this is a Kentucky Derby horse. And I said, really? He's like, yeah. He's going to break his maiden, which he did, and he's going to and he's going to be a serious contender next year. Ran well in the Breeders Cup Juvenile. Uh, Simon, this is where I love to have a trainer on the show. Displaced his palate last time. Very briefly, tell everyone what that means. Uh, and he had surgery, by the way, right away. It's a pretty minor surgery, and he's been working well. But tell everyone what that means, displacing a horse's palate, and how that can affect that horse during the race that he ran. Well, it affects a horse's breathing. What happens, the horse, you know, is airway. They have the soft palate. And what happens, it elevates above the epiglottis, and it blocks the airway. So there's less oxygen getting down into the trachea in the lungs. So basically, uh, it's like you running and someone just, you know, putting their hand over your mouth or sticking a stock in your mouth and you're trying to re- breathe. It, it's not going to work. So they can do a little minor procedure. Um, you know, sometimes we've seen it with other, there's other issues, uh, other types of throat surgeries called entrapped epiglottis would be another one. This is different from displaced soft palate, but sure. there are easy fixes and, and the horses have had them and have recovered well. So that is good information. And something I always say, sometimes I like a performance like that where it's just too bad to be true. I'd rather a horse finish eighth beat in 24 lengths than third beat in three lengths with no visible excuses. We saw it this afternoon at Gulfstream Park with Nostalgic, a Bill Mott horse. Ran terrible on the grass last time out, came back and rebounded on the dirt today. That is a legitimate excuse. That type of information with a displaced soft palate, if they fixed it, that's a major, major fix. They did. They fixed it three days later. He had minor surgery three days later. He's back on the work tab. And I, yeah. I know people are going to say, Howard, these works look slower than the stablemate howling time. I like, and again, I don't have time to go through this, Simon, but I watched the works. He's starting slow and finishing fast. I think Lannery's going to take this horse back. Yes. I think he has to from the 10 hole. There's plenty. I'm going to put us on the screen. There's plenty of plenty speed in front. 
if giant game, and by the way, I will say I do have a future wager on him to it at, at 30 to one. So for the Derby, so I'm a little biased. I'll say that up front, but if Lorner, if Lannery takes back, like I think he will, let's all the speed go stay on the rail. Like Lannery likes to do save ground. I see no reason why this horse can't be in the money, Simon, and possibly blow up this entire pick five. Not for me, because I'll have him. But I think he's fascinating, at least underneath. Do not overlook Giant Game in this race, folks. I think he's I think he's still talented. I really do. I think that's the trip he's going to get. And, and you're exactly yeah. right. For a horse with a display soft palate, the last thing you want to do is wrestle with them. You want to keep them relaxed so they don't display okay. during the race. So. There you go. go. Uh, Very quickly as we're getting to the end of the show here. And by the way, when we let Simon go, stay on, folks. I'm going to show everyone my pick five ticket, but we'll get Simon off the screen so he can uh, relax and get ready for the weekend. The last race, Simon, is the Here Comes the Bride. This is the closeout leg of the pick five. It's a grade three. Um, Who do you have in the top three? And then very quickly, who do you uh, talk about your top pick? Yeah, let me pull up uh, my selections here. One second. My top pick, I know, is the 11. Um, okay. With a little bit of a price. Bali de Sol here. I I'll like it. That, yeah, I'll get to that angle. Uh, the two, Mischievous Kiss. Okay. Um, I'm throwing Spenderella out. I wasn't impressed with that. Oh, that. That's, yeah. my, that's my top choice, Simon. What are you doing? Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Let's, so, so Simon's going 11 to 4. Um, again, Simon, the, the – uh, you know, your dime, your dance for light speed. You can talk as long as you want here uh, on the show because this is your last uh, race that you'll be on with us. So convince us about the 11, 20 to 1 morning line for a guy, by the way, very underrated, excellent trainer, Rusty Arnold, and my guy, Corey Lannery. I'm a big fan of Rusty Arnold, and I think he, yeah, I, I echo exactly what you said. I think he's he's underrated. He does a great job. Um, Bally de Sol to me, the play here for me is is the distance. This this is a horse okay. that's had three sprints. This is what Rusty does. He doesn't rush him into two turn trips. He gets the foundation, and this is typically what I look for: a horse with two turn pedigree, even running style sprinting, which is what this ha- horse has. And I think we'll love to stretch out. You get a lot of horses that sprint and stretch out, and I can tell you before they stretch out, they're not going to do it, whether they're too quick. Or whether, you know, they're deep closes, the old adage, you know, those deep, deep closing sprinters. Oh, they'll be better going long. Not the case. This is the Simon, problem. here's the dams PPs around the screen. We want to talk about some breeding a little bit. Time yeah, exactly. I pulled them out. I had them up Sundisk. Yeah. I mean, look, she was a two-turn horse on the ground. She didn't show much talent. But, you know, the, the emphasis here, Bill Maher trained her, but he dumped her right on the grass at two turns. She also has a couple of uh, siblings. B-Bit yeah, is there. Yeah. 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 They've been successful around two turns. Yeah. Um, so, so the influence is that Bala Bali was a good two-turn turf horse out in West Coast for Richard sure. Mandela. So, you know, the post is going to be hard to overcome. She faced Marissa's lady, three back, two back, who's undefeated. I know up at Turfway, but she's four for four. She won the Gal yeah. on the Valdale, I think, for, for Bill Morey. So that's my price in there. I'm looking okay. to close out with a big one. And by the way, uh, Rusty tried to get uh, her on the turf first time at Keeneland was, was rained right. off. And she still won, which... I have some very sharp handicappers that I know that really upgrade a horse who's scratched off the turf, meant for turf, and still wins on the dirt. Shows a lot of uh, ability and talent. So that is going to be. An, I, I'll tell you what. You convince me. I'm I'm moving her up. <laughs> Definitely the list. Well, she, she uh, hasn't. She hasn't got to do what she's bred to do. It's go long on the turf. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Oops. Sorry. I had the wrong ones. Uh. Wait. What am I doing? I'm sorry. Thirteen. Uh. Very briefly. Talk about the my top two choices. You have second and third. 
uh, Spenderella. I guess the more likely winner is Mischievous Kiss uh, for Mott and then uh, Spenderella for, for uh, Graham Motion. Yeah, Mischievous Kiss, you, like, she's going to get a lot of play, I think. You know, she, she looks to be in, in good form. She's, she got hung wide last time out. She gave up a, gave a lot of ground. And then, you know, she only – I thought she ran well that day. She only missed by a length. And this is a typical – Again, it goes back to what we were talking about with Bill. He's done this for years. He, he he does shut his horses down, the good ones. He gives them a little break, trains them at pacing, and then brings them back rather than, you know, flush them out of New York straight into the entry box. So this type of filly fits that profile. There might not have been anything physically wrong with her from November until now. He just decided to take a break yeah. with her and let it develop. So she, she's going to get a good trip in there from that inside post because she's a horse that can be handy. I think she's going to be tough. Spenderella, look, you just need to get a price with her because she's coming out of a maiden special weight into a grade three. Visually very impressive, yes? Yeah. I totally agree with you. And I, I'm a big, big, huge fan of Graham Motion, who just got you know nominated for the Hall of Fame as well. But I just I think that's a, that's a tough task. The fact he's doing it and asking to do it, I think, is instills confidence. I'm not sure how strong that maiden race was, but yeah. I, don't, I don't think you penalize a horse for winning. They can only beat who's behind them, right? Yeah, it wasn't. Let me go ahead and put us back on full screen. I'll go and take that. It wasn't the strongest uh, no. main field, but I will say this. You ready for this? I told you I know. I, I know my work, Simon. Who was Spenderella working with last time? Bipartisanship. The that horse coming Ooh, okay. in, in the uh, in the the older the, the four year old filly <laughs> right. who I thought has a chance to win and running buyers in the nineties. And I gotta say, Spenderella was and I I know works aren't everything. I mean, I don't want people watching get carried away, but they do matter. To me, especially when they're head-to-head in their workouts, Simon, in my opinion at least, maybe you have a, a different opinion, uh, Spenderell was, was running right with her and doing it well. So I think there's huge upside. This is, uh, she's, you know, by Cara Conte out of an unusual uh, heat mare, a New York bred. I am not usually the kind of guy Simon says, oh, a horse wins easily first time out. That's like an automatic use the next time. I actually usually try to go against these kind of horses, Simon. Yes. But the fact that she's been working well with bipartisanship and that she's got more upside and and Graham Motion does not win a lot first time out. I just think there's a lot of positives for Spinderella. I think she's very interesting. Simon Bray, you have been so awesome tonight. We really appreciate um where can people find you on Twitter and then any closing thoughts you have for the weekend, sir? Uh, at Simon TVG, you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram too. I do that. The young kids do the Instagram too. Well, <laughs> <been doing> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, look, I'm looking forward to this weekend. I'm getting the top three selection. I don't think there'll be too many adjustments along the way. Usually big days like this, there's not a whole lot of yeah. scratches over the weekend and weather's going to be perfect. So I'm just looking forward to it and, I got to be honest with you. I, I really, you know, Todd told me how great your show was. Scott told me the same thing. You do a tremendous job, one man band. And it's been great to be on here and back and forth. Maybe I've given you a couple ideas or horses to use, but you've certainly given me two or three with those wor- insight in, in, insight with the workouts. That's going to help my handicapping as well. A- am I worthy enough for for appearance uh, live at Keeneland? Can I can I hold my own? Do you think? Here's the sad. Thing. I won't be there on the twenty fourth. So oh man. Yeah, I'm going to have to solely leave you in Todd's hands. Oh. Yeah, unfortunately, I would have helped you. Well, I don't know. You would have been double teamed if I had been there. You would have been stuck in the middle of both. No, you're going to be a wingman. You're going to save me from the monster that is a Todd Strupp because who knows what he's going to do to me. But uh, I'll tell you what, Simon. Hope, you know, God willing, uh, I'll be on set with you at some point. But if not, we'll, uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll yeah, I'm there the week, across. I'm there week two at Keeneland. I can't be there week okay. three. So, no yeah. problem. Last part before I let you go. 
uh, your son Oliver, has he signed a major league contract yet? Because I hear the <laughs> baseball guys might go on strike and they might need, you know, someone to come in, tell everyone a little bit about your family very briefly and, and, and who, and who Oliver is. <laughs> yeah, Oliver, I have, I have two kids. Oliver is my son. He's nine years old. So, um, I, you know, I wasn't obviously being from England. I didn't know much about baseball, but you know, as American families do, we threw a t-ball bat in his hand at four, and he's, huh. he's just taken off. So, yeah, he made it. He got lucky last June. He made his appearance on uh, MLB Network. So we just yeah, that is. I saw that on Twitter. That is unbelievable. He's going to yeah. be on the TVG Major League team, and then and then Cash is uh, Cash Hines going to come nice. in and close it out. And then you have a daughter yeah. as well, and a wonderful wife. You just have a terrific family. Yeah, I have a great family. My wife, Danielle, and I have a, a daughter who's six, and she's just started softball. Older brother's just teaching her how to Fantastic. Uh, play softball. So that's You're true American, Simon. we got kids oh, yeah, playing yeah. softball and baseball, absolutely. Listen, exactly. Simon, thanks, thanks again for coming on. Really appreciate it. We're going to let you go. Good luck this entire weekend at Gulfstream. Have a great time. Say hi to Todd and the crew for me, and we'll catch you down the road. Thanks again. Thanks, Howard. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. It's been fun. Thank you. Take care, Simon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, that's Simon Bray. Don't go anywhere, folks, because I'm going to show you my pick five right now. Simon was fantastic. Simon, thank you very much. Uh, you you were a great pleasure and gave a lot of people some very good advice. So let me go ahead and show my pick five, everyone. So, again, now this is my pick five. It's a $90 play. Again, this would not be the pick five that I would play on my own. I usually play an ABC ticket. For any of you that are new to the show, I use uh, DRF Ticket Maker. But for people that want to play just a straight caveman ticket, there's my ticket. You can see right there, five, six, seven, eight, nine, with two, four, six, eight, with one, three, eight, with two, four, ten. And I've got Spinderella. I respectfully disagree with Simon. That's the great thing about horse racing, though, right? We we all have opinions. You gotta take a stand somewhere. I, I like that horse a lot. I think the four in the last race is very live. I think she's got huge upside. And if I had to sort of take a chance somewhere, I think it would be with her. And I would do that not only because I think she's talented, but also I think she's a horse that most people would not single. So I think you'll get value there with that single as opposed to maybe using a different single. Again, one more time for people that are listening later on, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, or Anchor, my pick five, five, six, seven, eight, nine. With two four six eight, with one three eight, with two four ten, with four, that's a ninety dollar play. But again, I'll be using other horses in my ABC uh, ticket maker. Again, as you can see on the bottom of the screen, I do not know what's happening next week. We're definitely going to be on next Thursday. Uh, time and guest TBA. I've had a very busy weekend, ready for a huge weekend at Sandy and Gulfstream. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate. Everyone watching the show tonight, we've had fantastic viewership. And again, very quickly, the promos as I show you. Uh, sign up for BetUS, a fantastic betting site. All the information down below the video player. Just hit that show more button and it'll open up a, a, a deeper screen and you can see more. I've got a podcast pool that ends Friday at 10 p.m. Eastern. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, email me and I'll send you the information. And of course, of course, an excellent race day blog. It's very inexpensive. I show my ABC grids. I also show spot plays and price plays throughout the country at other tracks. And by the way, those are hitting close to 40% on the race day blog. Those are picks anywhere between six to one to 15 to one morning line. 
So we got a lot going on in the HHH Racing Podcast. Thank you very much, everyone, for joining us tonight. Uh, watch us next Thursday. And then good luck to everyone on a huge, like I said, weekend at Santa Anita and at Gulfstream Park on first Saturday. Take care, everyone. Thank us for watching. Have a great evening. Good night. 